how well are you doing in the what to do, how to be continuum. Let's chat with Dr. Steve Swavely and Jeremy Spidell to learn how to self-evaluate our effectiveness. Well, my, my first thought is this, this self-evaluation is just, just to remember, first of all, that's going to be a limited perspective. And it's important to be self-aware and it is important to evaluate yourself. And it's also important to understand that, um, you know, that's only going to be one perspective of what's going on. And so, you know, one way is to ask yourself um, some simple questions about, um, hey, how, how connected do I feel? Uh, with my team, with my organization. You know, you can lean into some of the six engagement drivers. If, if people have heard some of our, our previous podcasts, I know we'll continue to talk about this content, but we've got six engagement drivers. And so those are things like, um, like connectedness or importance, clarity, competence, control, fairness. You can lean on something like that and say, Hey, was I clear in that meeting? Did, did how clear was it? Did, did I have a misstep there? Did I walk out of that conversation and, and, and I feel less connected than when I started? Like, those are some reflective questions that will give you some indication. Like, uh, hey, I, I think, I think I'm feeling great. Like, we had a tough conversation, but we're actually leaving it and I feel more connected than when we started. If I had that, uh, mental, uh, mindset coming out of a conversation, I'd feel like, okay, I'm, I'm doing pretty good here on this relationship thing. But the real way, though, is to ask. I mean, you can do the self-reflection that's important, but it's, I think it's also important to do some others' reflection and to ask people and say, hey, how did I do in that conversation? What was that like for you? Was I asking the right questions? Was I listening? Uh, you know, did you feel heard? Did you feel like we navigated that well? Um, you know, and then if you want to get some some real data, there's um, you know, employee engagement surveys that we do. There's all kinds of different, you know, team 360s, individual leader 360s. There's ways that if you want to get into the granular level of this kind of stuff that you can start to uncover how you're doing as a leader and then build some strategies around what data comes back. Anna, your question really is about um, how do I know what I don't know? and um, the answer is you got to ask, you got to ask for feedback. And it goes back to that conversation we had earlier, which is that's a, that's a scary thing to do, to ask for feedback about your performance and how you are doing as a leader. And how did I come across in that situation? Was I, was I a good listener? Did you have the opportunity to share the, your input the way that you wanted to share? And so it's really just, it goes back to um, the feedback loop and making sure that that loop is open and and always working in both directions, that it's not a one-way loop. Once a leader has done that self-reflection, how do they begin to move from that space of being reactive, being very task-oriented, to being more relationship-responsive-driven? Well, I think what, from a, a view from 50,000 feet, one strategy is to focus on your purpose. What, what is the, what, what is the purpose of our organization? What's the purpose of our team? And what's my purpose as a leader? And if I keep focus on that and let my behavior be driven by what those purposes are, 
versus what I, how I want to be viewed or what I think the results need to be, I'm going to show up in a much different place. So it's really about focusing on purpose as a way to get to results versus being being blind to the purpose and just um, a, a narrow focus on getting results. I really like that, Steve. Yeah, I, I think I'm a big fan of values as well. I think that they, they work hand in hand with, with the purpose. And, you know, I think about things like at Truist, we have one team. What would one team look like in this meeting that we're headed into? How do I need to be so that I am helping to create an environment that feels like one team? Um, you know, another another one of our values is success. Um, all right, what does success look like to you? What does it look like to me? What does it look like for the team? What's it look like for another line of business that we interact with on a daily basis? You know, those are those are um, some questions that can help shape how you show up, how you lead, how your team shows up, how how they um, move through the process together. So I think values um, tied into the purpose can be a great one-two punch as as you're looking for, for ways to step into this. And I think another thing, too, is just to continually be aware of the importance of it. Um, one of our colleagues, Chris Smith, tells a story about um, an individual that was in one of uh, the programs that he was leading one day, and they were talking about this dynamic of task versus relationship. And he said that this, this big-time CEO said had this great epiphany and said, oh, oh my gosh, I thought, I thought that relationships were what I did after I finished all my tasks. <laughs> and now I'm realizing that relationships are my task. You know, like, like that, that's it. That, that is the game for me at this point in my career. It's a, all about relationships. And so I think part of it, too, is to, to remind yourself of the importance. Like, this isn't just fluffy, soft stuff that you do when you have a little bit of extra time. Like, this is the job. This is what you're paid to do, ultimately, is to have relationships that are, that are so well-connected and, and um, where the expectations are, are clear. And those relationships um, are what are ultimately moving your organization forward. Like, that's, that's it. And so um, I think being aware of that and maybe even having a shift in that belief potentially to really realizing the priority and the importance um, and the essential nature, really, of this whole relationship deal, um, that can also be helpful for leaders uh, as they try to navigate this. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jeremy. I think values are – that's the anchor. It's the anchor by which everything else is is centered. And I love what you said about the idea that you gotta keep it front and center. It's 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 not something that you print out and hang on the wall and read every now and then. It's something that you live by and pausing and asking yourself several times throughout the course of a day. Am I living by the values that are important to me? Am I living by the purpose that I strive towards as a leader? And if the answer to that is no, then you can shift course. And the more frequently you ask that question, the more aware you will be on whether you're on course or off course to 
um, the the way you want to be perceived and the way you want to come across as a leader, which is so critical to that success. It's all it's really that you know what we call the the um, leadership the leadership amplitude is the signals that we give off as a leader. Amplitude's a, a physics term. That's a it's a signal. And as a leader, we're always giving off signals. Whether we're aware of it or conscious of it or intentional about it, we're always giving off signals. And the question is, do you want to be giving off signals that are in line with your purpose and your values or, or out of alignment? And, of course, the answer to that is in, in alignment. And the only way to really stay true to that is to be vigilant and keep it front and center and not lose sight of how easy it is to deviate from that purpose or those values in those times when you're under stress, when you're under pressure, when you're being pushed for results. Um, that's when those things can fall to the side. And that's really, that's the most important time to be asking yourself those questions. I'm reflecting on various hurdles that I've experienced or that I've heard from other leaders. And, and the one that's popping up for me now, and I'd love to get your feedback on, is a little bit related to that, that issue of feedback or that question of feedback. Um, because I, I know that there are times where it's good to get feedback, but there's also a time where you have to move forward. A decision has to be made. How does one navigate that tension of wanting people to feel heard, wanting to people to feel like they've contributed, but also reflecting on the fact that at the end of the day, the tasks do have to get done? That ultimately is what a leader needs to do is to navigate that tension and to, to, to be able to um, – have a sense of when enough input's been obtained to move forward. And a, a, a big piece of that is recognizing that if you're using input from your team to move forward, that'll be obvious. And the team will see it, they'll appreciate it, and they'll recognize it. I think what many leaders fail to do when input from the team isn't used is they fail to close the loop and go back and give that team or that individual the why behind the decision and why their input was is not being utilized or why the decision went in a way different than maybe the input would have suggested. And if if people understand the why, they're going to be much more receptive to um, doing it however the leader decides we're going to move forward. If they don't know the why, they begin to make things up in their head, and those things are never positive, and so it creates resistance. And so I think, you know, being able to, to, to close the loop and give people the why when their input isn't being utilized is a really critical piece of that. The what to do, to some degree, you can know as a leader, like, okay, what do I do here? I need to give people the why. I got 10 pieces of feedback, and I'm implementing six of them. I'm tabling two of them, and I'm saying no to two. And I need to make sure that everybody understands the why. 
and the rationale behind my decisions. I mean, there's some great research and data that says like when we do that, people can stay engaged even when they hear the no. So tactically, you can know what to do is I got to get people the why. But whew, if you blow that thing, I mean, if you if you don't get the how to be part as you're delivering the why, the rationale, if you do it in a way that basically doesn't you know, it depends. It depends on your team. But, you know, for for example, if it doesn't um, maybe honor the work that somebody put into to um, to give you that feedback or the time that they spent to, to provide that um, or the heart and soul that they maybe have for your team or your organization that they, they, they clearly put into the feedback that they provided, um, maybe they, they need to hear that along with the why. Hey, I appreciate you spending time. I know that was a lot of effort, and I, and I love your passion and enthusiasm for what we're trying to do. And as I looked at all this, I, I'm in a tough spot here. I had to make some cho choices and decisions, and ultimately we netted out here, and I don't want that to keep you from providing um, more great ideas in the future. You know, that, that's an example of what it could potentially sound like for a how to be and a what to do that gets to the why in a way that keeps people connected and keeps people coming back and, and doesn't splinter those relationships. You know, given the why can be done in two ways. One is in an abrasive and uncaring way, and the second is in an assertive and empathetic way. And that's obviously that is the more of the how to be. And it's a great example of making that distinction between the what to do and the how to be. And um, you know, being able to have this, have that skill set to be assertive, but doing so in an empathetic and understanding way is going to be much more productive than being abrasive and uncaring and giving the why. It occurs to me also that it's a good case for why you want to start focusing on building relationships before that meeting even happens. And I, I think about my own supervisor, who I talk about pretty often, Mark Packard. Um, and there have been occasions where he has said, no, I, ca I cannot take feedback from you on this. The plan has been made at a level above me. We can't really make any changes. But because Mark and I have such a strong relationship and he's taken so many steps before we even had this conversation over you know, a long period of time that our relationship can take that kind of hit. And it's not such a big deal to me because I know for the last five years on every single occasion where he could take my feedback, he has. And so this is, this is just a, you know, one-off and it's not such a big deal. Yeah, I agree on it. It's, you know, building a relationship is kind of like building a bank account. Um, the more deposits you make, um, the less of withdrawal in, impacts you and, um, you can, you, you can, you can build up credibility and you can build up respect and you can build up empathy by building relationships over time. And then when, the, when the occurrence happens where the, you have to give a person a no or you have to go against their desires, they're going to be much more um, appreciative of the fact that you you made that decision and be um, much more forgiving if it um, 
done in a in a in in a context of one of many interactions with that person. If that makes you me know, think you, about leaders. Go ahead, Steve. I, I was just going to say, you know, it, it goes back to the whole idea that um, you don't start building a relationship with somebody when you need something from them, right? You build the relationship <laughs> from the get go, and 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 then you can begin to um, leverage those relationships. And I and I use that in the most positive uh, sense of the term. Um, to create collaborative uh, solutions to problems. I, I love that one, Steve. That's great. And you know, as you were talking, it 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 hit home to me to think about any any new leaders out there or leaders that have just um, inherited a new team, or maybe you hired a, a new person that's going to be part of your team. Um, just to really be intentional about cultivating that relationship and and realizing that. Um, you know, that is part of your how to be uh, equation right now is how to be in a way as a leader that, that really develops uh, and, and maybe even accelerates the, the trust building and the connectivity that you can have uh, with that person or with that group of people. Uh, because when, when times get tough and you have to say no or they're saying no to you or feedback, all these things that we're talking about that can be a little difficult for us um, to encounter and experience. Uh, oh, when you, when you built up that bank account, it, it does really make it, um, I hesitate to use the word easier, but I think it's appropriate. I mean, it makes it easier when you, when you put in that time and energy. And when I see leaders that haven't cultivated that, and then when it's tough and things are difficult and complex, they're trying to, to build that or be directive or take feedback. It's just, it, it things can collapse quickly there. So, um, it's a great, Great plug for um, really being intentional on the front end of, of cultivating those relationships. Now that you have all this new awareness and understand the balance between task and relationships, what hurdles could get in your way as you move forward and put it into practice? Tune in next time for an episode on how to troubleshoot yourself. Are you following us on LinkedIn? It's a great way to see bonus content. Search for us by name on LinkedIn, Truist Leadership Institute. For show notes or to learn more about Truist Leadership Institute, visit us on the web at truistleadershipinstitute.com. Leadership Amplitude is a podcast production of Truist Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.